0: geek top five quarantine edition
1: yay there was time now there was was all the time i needed
0: geek top five i'm jesse i'm graham and we are the only two people in the country not spending this evening watching the new season of lucifer which debuted today
1: on netflix Uh, but we're uh, isn't there a basketball game on too or something I guess. Does it have a gorgeous British man as the devil in it? Uh, I mean, I guess
0: it depends how you feel about the raptors. Uh, My my money's on no, (laughs) judging from everybody I've talked to today. (laughs) In any case... Uh, we're not here to talk about Lucifer, unfortunately. We'll, we will probably circle back to that at some point. But uh, I bring it up because, A, it's worth acknowledging because it has taken over the airwaves, but also it is a welcome respite uh, from the pandemic, which, in addition to all the usual terrible things about the pandemic, has also had quite the crippling effect on the entertainment industry, and so it's nice to see when some new stuff comes out. Um, and unfortunately for us, neither of us were jazzed about
1: Lucifer, uh, so we are we're, we still have that hole in our hearts. So true. But there's, there's I don't know, hope, I think there's hope in the future. It seems like things are, are slowly starting to maybe get back to normal. I think, uh, isn't Tenet coming out next week? <laughs> That's been delayed so many times. It's, it's amazing that didn't make our list. Well,
0: hey, I haven't seen your list, I shouldn't say. Listen, we're we're dancing around it. Graham and I are here with another set of possibly dueling, but maybe just lists. Um, and there's two ways to look at this. There's the pessimistic way and the optimistic way to look at it. The optimistic way to look at it is to say, hey, now that it seems like we're getting things under control, here are some things we're looking forward to coming out soon. So that, right?
1: Right. Delayed gratification.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, there's the other way of looking at it, where these are our top five, and I'm going to steal Graham's thunder on this one, our top five pandemic casualties.
1: Yes, yes, uh, things that got delayed or canceled or or just completely upended due to this uh, wonderful situation we're all living through. Graham, why don't you get us
0: started? What is number five on your list of things that you, you didn't get to t- t- see
1: or do because of the pandemic? All right, well, the first one is a, a future one. This is the Oscars. The Oscars got delayed from February 28th, 2021 to April 25th, 2021. But surrounding that is the fact that so many movies got delayed or canceled or moved to digital. It's I'm, I'm very curious to see how something like the Oscars is going to deal with this situation since... So many things won't qualify for for yeah, it. I guess it'll just be a very short show. Maybe they'll yeah, actually give people I time it. to go up and give. Rank. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they'll
0: find some ways to spit it out. Yeah, the,
1: at the beginning of all this, uh, people were saying this is the our chance. Sonic is going to win the Oscars this year.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, you know, I love watching the Oscars and and the stuff going up to leading up to it, and it, it gives a chance to spotlight movies that wouldn't normally. make a lot of people's attention in this era of of huge spectacle. There's smaller movies that sort of fall under the radar, but uh, an Oscars run tends to to get more attention on smaller fare, and I, that's stuff I'm always interested in, and in, in seeing how it it uh, reflects our reality and, and whatnot, so I'd be I'm disappointed that it's been delayed, but I'm also sort of excited to see what that means, you know, they've changed the rules, normally the Oscars have this window where, where a movie has to have a theatrical release for at least a week in order to qualify, well, that hasn't been possible for the last five months, ugh so so all these movies, are they've, they've changed the rules a little bit so that more digital content is going to qualify, and uh, I guess that'll also mean that a lot of these movies are going to be more accessible because you'll get to see them on Netflix or whatever earlier than you normally would. But um, yeah, I think it's just such a—it's an interesting time for this. It's, it's unprecedented, and I want to see how it plays out, but it sucks that I'm going to have to wait an extra two months to, to find out.
0: And I guess when you look at some of the things, I mean, I'm sure that'll hit higher on our lists, is that two months isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, I always assume people are going to take the easiest way out. The easiest way out would be to, be to have a really short, crappy Oscars this time around, and then the following year have, like, Oscars plus. Like, it's going to be 17 hours long, and it's going to cover <sighs> two and a half years worth of movies, and you're going to have to, like, take shifts to catch the entire thing. That would be like, cool. Honestly, that's kind of what I expect,
1: although I'm a bit of a cynic about it. I just think, I feel like this batch of, of movies, or this year's Oscars, are going to have an asterisk next to them, where it's like, these are the ones that won, but really, they they didn't have as much competition as they normally would, so maybe this isn't as prestigious an Oscar as they would normally get. So it'll be... Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the competition ends up being. Will there be the nine-movie fight as it has been for the last little while since they opened up the rules? Or is it going to end up being a much narrower field since there's, there's less out there? See, and this is something... I mean, this is sort of hearkening back to our
0: geek hot takes a little bit. Because I'm looking at this from the perspective of a person who can't stand the Oscars. <laughs> That's totally fair. And I mean, I'm not coming at it from like, oh, I don't mind, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention. I mean, I actively dislike the concept of the Oscars, of the award show, of the self-congratulation, and of the excess poured into it. Right, and so, like the
1: idea that, that these incredibly subjective opinions on, on art are, are getting awards for which is the best.
0: Yeah, and people are making millions and millions of dollars off of it and spending millions and millions of dollars on it. Uh, And I couldn't give a rat's ass about any of those people and how many little golden statues they have. So, with that established, that's the perspective I'm coming from. I mean, would one year of crappy Oscars, like, is that, like, does that really hurt you? Would that really
1: sting? It wouldn't. Actually, for me, like, I, I am interested in these conversations and in this thing, but... Ultimately, the movies that win the Oscar or lose the Oscar it doesn't matter as much to me as the conversations around them. And and I think this sort of quote unquote unprecedented situation makes for that much more interesting a conversation about about the movies and about the all the activities surrounding the Oscars, you know? I mean I'll grant you that, it makes it more interesting than any of the other years that I've seen it. <laughs> That's totally true. Cha 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 but uh, yeah like i'm i'm interested in in how this the the oscars and all these award seasons they tend to focus conversations on a certain batch of movies and i'm always interested in what makes the zeitgeist and and how these conversations happen right every every weekend in a normal situation, there's like four or five new movies out in theaters, plus another half dozen on the streaming services. And it's so hard to to find something that you can watch that everyone else is going to have seen, or have an opinion on, or, or want to see, or whatever. But something like this helps focus the field down to a handful of movies, and it's, it's something where... You're like, alright, well, whether I agree with it or not, these are the movies people are going to be talking about, so I'm going to watch these so I can have conversations with people about them. I can be part of the, the conversation that's going to be happening around me. Whereas it, without something like this, it's just a free-for-all.
0: Yeah, no. It's nice to have a bunch of millionaires telling you exactly what to focus on and where to, you know, what to think and what to see. Because otherwise, <laughs> you'd have to do it yourself, and that would be terrifying.
1: Uh, no, I, I, look, if everyone would listen to, to know, me, I, I'm being, to, to what I want to talk about for these things, the world would be a better place. But it does uh, look. I don't. I'm sure there's a better way to to do it. But if we just relied on like what was top of the IMDb popularity charts, I don't think the conversation would <laughs> be any more interesting.
0: No, well, that's not much better. That's fair. <laughs> it's it's important to remember that everybody sucks. regardless. Well, everybody. It's important to remember that everybody can suck regardless of your income. Yes. Uh, different strokes for different folks, but I get it. It's a big event. Uh,
1: it's weird that it's that we're not gonna have it, and the next one is gonna be just off. Yeah. So I get you. I wonder if they'll even like. Who knows what April's gonna be like? But will they have an in-person ceremony? Is it all going to be digital? If if they decide to do that, does that mean they push it back a full year like you were suggesting? Okay, what's your number
0: five? My number five? Uh, much more narrow focus than you, but still looking at the film industry. Um, I, uh, I I was really disappointed that we didn't get to see Wonder Woman 1984 this year. Um, the The last release date it was going to have, it was bouncing back and forth between March and June 2020. Uh, but now has been... De- it was I think then it was delayed until August, and, and then... I don't know. It was all over the place, but now it's well into 2021, and who knows when we're going to see it. I mean, look, we've, we've talked about this on the show before. We're not such huge DC people, and I kind of feel like the Zeitgeist slightly has been backing us up on that, but I think everyone can agree the DC universe of movies have been disappointing, especially when compared to their contemporaries. But... Damn, was Wonder Woman the exception that proved the rule?
1: We can agree on that, right? Yeah, definitely. It was it was uh not a perfect movie by any stretch, but it had a sense of hope and a sense of optimism that was missing from a lot of the DC stuff, and it was just fun. Yeah, I had a good
0: time watching it. It did, it didn't yeah, it didn't break the bank. It wasn't Endgame or anything, but it was a blast. I had a good time. I was glad that I saw it. Uh that was uh that was June 2017. Um, well, you don't need the numbers. It made a bunch. It made a bunch of money. Everybody liked it. And I mean, frankly, I mean, this may sound controversial the way I put it, but there was—it's definitely the direct like between the two comic giants between Marvel and DC. Like Marvel's answer to the girl power thing was uh, Captain Marvel, and Wonder Woman was way better. Like as far as girl power goes, like Wonder Woman was such a cool figure. She's got that going for her too. I wanted to see more of it. Um, but it was delayed, and that sucks.
1: Yeah, we and considering how close it was to coming out when uh, when all the pandemic hit and when it started getting pushed back, I feel like we hadn't even seen that much of it in in trailers or TV spots. Like as far as I know, we still haven't had a good shot of what Kristen Wiggs cheetah is gonna look like in the movie
0: that's exactly what I was going to bring up yeah is it seems like like I'm under the impression it's about done like that the only reason that it hasn't been released is because nobody's going to theaters like for a good reason, don't <laughs> get me wrong uh, but it's not like they're still waiting to shoot it or to edit it or anything, it sounds like it's in the can um, but it seems like even leading up to it there wasn't I feel like there just, there wasn't as much hype around it as you'd expect, and I wonder if that has to do with, like, the competition from other movies that were coming out around then, like, I wonder if they wanted to sneak it in, I mean, that might also explain why the, even before the pandemic, the release date was bouncing all over the place, I mean, originally, way back when, it was gonna come out at the end of 2019, and then
1: it got delayed... Yeah, I I mean, that's probably because of Star Wars. Well, I think it's also the fact that all of these studios, they announce release dates long before movies are are even ready to start shooting. And so a 2019 release date was probably overly optimistic, even when it was first announced, because they hadn't started writing a script. I don't think they had gotten Patty Jenkins back on board as a director yet. So once that happens, she gets more control and can delay things a bit as they get a script that they they really like. So I think... I, I, I don't want to look at that as a negative, the fact that it kept getting pushed back. I'd like to think that it's a positive, that it gave them more time to get a, the movie that they want. So many times, movies get rushed because they have to hit a specific release date. I think that's what happened with Rise of Skywalker. They just were like, we got a release date you got to start filming. I don't care what state the script is in. And it made it a mess, as we discussed. But hopefully, with Wonder Woman, they were able to get it where it's supposed to be. And, and now they've had so much extra time to finesse the footage and, and edit it and, so that it's a, a better experience. Fingers crossed.
0: Um, before we move off, I mean, let's, let's talk about what we're going to see. So, like, so the, the first Wonder Woman movie took place during the Second World War. It's now 40 years later. It's 1984. It's, you know, the, the crazed future of 1984, <laughs> which is always a delight to see in movies. Um, we have got Wonder Woman is still doing her thing. Like the, I mean, I just, I, I, wanted to save this for later. I just have to bring it up. Like, there's a shot in the trailer where she's Spider-Man swinging with the lasso, but she's swinging from lightning bolt to lightning bolt. Yeah. And I can't even, I can't wait to see how they justify that. But damn, that I looks really cool. hope
1: they do because when I saw it in the trailer, I was like, interesting. Like, it's got to be a Zeus thing, right? I hope so. Maybe it's a Shazam cameo.
0: Maybe it is. Oh yeah, you, you would die. You? <laughs> anyway, it looks awesome. Is that? But it's so. Sh- so she's in the 1980s. She hasn't aged at all because she's half god. Um, they bring back Chris Pine. Uh, 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 oh, what's the character's name? Help here. Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. There we go. Okay. Because I, I was thinking Steve Rogers. That's, that's not it. You know, World <laughs> War That is, a, War II that is a classic
1: I, comic book fan confusion moment. Yeah, both, both World War II Steves.
0: He's back. Um, the villains,
1: we've got, we've well, got I mean, Wing. technically, i got to correct you here before we get inundated with emails about this. The Chris Pine right. one was World War One.
0: Oh, did I say World War Two? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You're absolutely <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, so My Steve bad. Rogers is uh, World War II. Steve World Trevor's War II. World War One. Completely different things. There's no way you could confuse those. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Um, they are going to be squared
0: off against a couple of villains. They're going to be squared off against Cheetah, who is sort of the you know, the Joker to Wonder Woman's Batman, right? Like Cheetah is sort of the antagonist
1: for Wonder Woman. Yeah, for for whatever reason, she's the the main antagonist in the the comics. I'm not a big enough DC fan to really get it. Like on the face of it, it seems like a ridiculous comparison: a woman who dresses up like a cheetah versus a essentially a god. But
0: yeah, like whoa. I think the the modern
1: version is just more like she's like a weird cheetah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. been the back in the day, she was just in like a stitched up cheetah skin, which is creepy is- and and kind of cool in its own way. But still, it doesn't seem like a huge threat. I was going to say, is a
0: weird cheetah even, like, better or worse? It's hard to say. (laughs) Um, We're going to have to see what they do with that, because, again, we haven't seen much of it in the trailers. Um, And the other, we've also seen Maxwell Lord, who's basically discount Lex Luthor, who's going to be in this one, too. Yeah, which,
1: you know, I never loved that change to him. When, When he was first introduced in the comics, he was benevolent. He was a little mysterious and shady, but generally he was benevolent. He was the... The founder of the Justice League International and he, he, you know, financed them. And then in the early 2000s, I think, he started to get more and more villainous to the point where there's the the most famous Maxwell Lord moment is when Wonder Woman broke his neck. And uh, it was there were far-ranging consequences to that action. It's, it's kind of cool, but darker than you would normally expect from those characters. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but hey, a possible spoiler for how this one ends. Well, Fair enough. I mean, I hope not. I think that would take away yeah, that from would be, the would be weird <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, but hey, the DC does tend towards pretty dark. Um, in any case, it's uh, you, you know that's like that's all we know about it, and so it's adding to the mystery. And I was really excited to see what more we we're getting, uh, but now we're not until next year. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, and until then, we'll have to wait and see. But real, real, just that would have made my summer. And I'm sorry we missed it. Yeah.
1: So uh, my number four is uh, probably the least geeky thing that'll be on either list. It is is the Oscars considered geeky? Uh, this is even less geeky than that. All right? Uh, don't worry, it'll it's only up from here, but the it's the Olympics. Uh, it's again another unprecedented Ooh. situation. Words being th- yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get a poll from the audience <laughs> on that. Is the Olympics considered geeky enough to be on a geek top five list? I I will let us know. <laughs> I so so for me, one of the geeky things about it, well, like whenever a, a, an Olympics rolls around, I start to get interested in the history of the Olympics, and that's where the the geek quota I think goes up. Like how it's changed over time, and you know, early Olympics there was. The, like a category that was ship battles, where they would like reenact famous ship battles, but they'd do it in a giant swimming pool with replica boats. I mean, it sounds insane, but that's that's what the Olympics used to be. I think there, there's there's a lot of weird sports that are no longer counted, and and I love the history of it. I feel like that adds to the geek quota. Yeah, right? that's that's that, uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I on that one. <laughs> so so they have delayed it from 2020 to 2021 which is unprecedented. They've had Olympics canceled before, but they've never had it delayed. They're still going to be calling it Tokyo 2020, I guess cuz they've got all that branding already done. <laughs> yeah. And beyond that, it's going to be 6 months after that there's going to be the Winter Olympics in Beijing. So it's going to be a very Olympic heavy few months there. But I'm I'm the the repercussions of this, like the Olympics for me, I don't think about them too much in the in-between years, but whenever they happen, there's such great things just to have on in the background when I'm doing other stuff. Like, I could just put on the TV, put on whatever Olympic event is on, and it's just perfect white noise background stuff. And then I'll, I, like, I learned about curling, just doing that, and archery, and, and now with everything being online, the last few times it's happened, I've just had it on, on one of my screens at work. Like, I'll have a screen that just has... Whatever CBC's got for the Olympics going on on one screen while I do my work on the other, it's perfect. I mean, that's like this is another, it's not like the
0: Oscars. Like, I don't have, you know, like t shirts against it or anything. What you do but have yeah, for the Oscars. I, oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. That's a, there's a movement. Uh, no, nah, for the Olympics, the Olympics, I, I totally get why other people are into it. Uh, it's not really my thing. Um, I think if you're gonna do something like to be better than everyone else at there are better things to choose than like falling down the side of a mountain the fastest right um, th- things that might be a little bit you know more beneficial to the world. I mean especially um, but- since
1: since they have made it, their careers right like there are people whose entire lives are spent perfecting their ability to fall down a mountain and in the past oh, not was, just
0: not just the athletes but like entire <laughs> corporations yeah, and yeah. trainers and so like true. teams of people spending millions of dollars to like see get a 14 year old to see how many times she can do a backflip in the air before landing on a piece of rubber I did, okay yeah
1: you know, like it's all right as with so many things it's probably progressed to a point where it's it's over the top it's gone too far But
0: yeah, these last couple of episodes we are going to call these ones. Jesse's like old (laughs) man, period. (laughs) It's just (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Um, No, it it, it doesn't. I mean, I get it. And I I, what I like about the Olympics is the spirit of the thing. Mm. Like it's one of the very few places these days where you can usually
1: see most of the world kind of getting along and doing things together. I've never quite bought that idea. Because everybody is playing for a specific country, and I don't know, they're all against each other, and everyone's looking at that which country has the most medals at the end of the day. I love the idea and, like, the PR behind the idea of the, the world is coming together to do this, but they all live separately. They all, in their own chalets or whatever, they're all playing for their own countries against everyone else. So I, I... Yeah, but if all they're doing is competing to who can fall down the mountain <laughs> the fastest, like, that's a lot
0: better than how countries usually compete against one another. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I, like, I like that, and I agree with you. I don't think the, the reality of it matches the, the PR of it, um, but I like that that's there in concept. And you know they always do the opening, and everybody marches out, and everyone's sort of celebrating this thing together. And and it's and I I, I like the dream. Yes. <laughs> even if it's not really my jazz. Um. But yeah, no. I if you had asked me before the recording, I wouldn't have been able to tell you for sure if there was going to be an Olympics this year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I would have guessed yes because
1: I know they're usually like even numbers. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it was. Uh, I was sort of re researching this and it sounds like it was a pretty contentious thing they they had said for a few days in march that it was going ahead no matter what it was happening and then canada great britain and some other country were like look we can't we can't participate in this so if you're going to go ahead with with running it in 2020 we're going to back out and i think that forced them to to you know it sort of called their bluff and they were like all right all right we'll we'll delay it and Obviously, that was the right decision, because, I mean, imagine bringing all those people from all over the world to one place in Japan. You're just asking for trouble. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so, it also has a bunch of domino effects, like doping tests have been put off because of the pandemic. Training, qualifying events have been delayed. So, I think when it does happen, it'll, again, be really interesting to see what the long-term impacts of this were for that one Olympics. Like, is everyone going to be a little off from where they would normally be? Are there going to be people who would have been able to compete in 2020 who can't compete in 2021 because they just aren't physically fit enough anymore or they've
0: aged right, out? Yeah, these these sports where athletes peak at, like, 14, now they're going to be 15. Yeah. and it's, I mean, that sounds silly, but no, home. that's a real thing. Like, it's, what is it going to be like
1: now that they're 15? It's interesting. Yeah, again, it's like the whole world has become a social experiment during this. It's going to be... I, I'm just interested in sitting back and seeing how all the dominoes fall, how everything plays out. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Okay, what's your number four? Yep. My number four... Um. It
0: feels kind of silly now compared to yours, <laughs> but... The, uh, my number four, uh, I was disappointed that they postponed the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife.
1: You are going to be surprised by this but that's higher up on my list you're i am so i i am shocked well we'll discuss it later i guess shocked it's on grim's
0: yes we will it's on grim's list wow <laughs> okay hold on Whew. okay yeah uh, folks if you haven't listened to our geek hot takes episode you gotta you, you gotta listen you gotta go <laughs>
1: Alright, we will circle back to Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's amazing. What is your number three? (laughs) I'm still enjoying this. Okay, my number three is, again, a big, broad one. It's uh, conventions as a whole. I guess that's not on your list. But, like, (laughs) specifically, you know, San Diego, New York Comic Con, um, the Emerald City Comic Con Fan Expo here in Toronto, all of them are getting postponed or cancelled or moved online and... It's, it's kind of sad. Like, I, I, I think... I don't know. Every every year I feel like my time going to conventions is winding down. And yet I still end up going to, to one or two a year. And I have a, a, I have a pretty good time every time I go. And even if I don't go, the announcements and trailers and hype that comes out of these are always such a big deal. And, and like, so much geek stuff comes out of them. All the things we talk about every year end up getting announced at conventions... I think in the past, we've done one episodes just about the San Diego Comic-Con, and, and I think coming up soon, we're going to do a similar thing for, for DC Comics' version of a convention that they're doing online. Uh, I think by the time this comes out, it'll have happened yesterday. But uh, it's it's going to be very weird doing all this digitally. And the, the thing I'm going to miss the most is digging through long boxes and you know, as great as the internet is and how as great as digital stores are for comic books, it's not the same as getting on your hands and knees with a long box filled with comic books in it and just sort of flipping through them. Like, my my fingers are getting itchy. Just, I want to do it. I want to dig through them and find some gems. That's what I really am going to miss about conventions this year. I mean, I'm not a I'm not
0: a long box guy, but there's just the thing about conventions is that it, it's a place where everybody's enthusiastic about something as you are. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I don't want to I don't want to use the term safe space here because it's been a long time since we were kids. Comic book like you don't have to be embarrassed to read comic books anymore. They're a big deal, but it's like especially coming from you know older folks like us. It like a convention was a place where you didn't have to be. The awkward one in a conversation, like it, where you didn't have to pipe up and be like, oh, did, "Did anybody, did anybody read the new Superman?" Uh, no, everybody here has read the new Superman. Half the people are dressed in the blue and red lightning bolt outfit. Everyone has an opinion on it, and it's just having that community together. There, and there are downsides to that as a community. Like, people, like listen, this is a stereotype, but it's stereotypes because they're true. As a community, we need to shower more for sure. <laughs> Yeah. But having that, even then, having that community, having all those people around is just so great. It's great to share your passions with people who are as passionate about it as you are. And without that mutual love in the air, like, like I can't imagine these virtual convention ideas or ever... Like, I, I don't see the difference between that and just watching
1: a YouTube stream. Yeah. Like the the investment in it is so different. I agree. I agree 100%. And it's, it's not... Nearly the same, you know, we, we have a friend, in fact, our very first guest ever on this show was, uh, her name is Kylie, and she has been to San Diego a, a few times for the convention, and I know, you know, it's such a, an experience waiting in line to get into one of those halls, and then you just sit there all day, like, you don't leave that seat, otherwise you're gonna lose it, and you gotta sit there through panel after panel after panel, and I, there are definitely pluses and minuses to it, but the people who do that are so enthusiastic by that point that they're going to eat up whatever you show them, and it's always going to be a a, a much different experience, like the energy, even just watching those those panels on YouTube, you can feel this excitement and electricity in the air, and that's not going to happen when you're watching a Zoom meeting, right? And that's just like the, the, the professional
0: stuff, like wandering the halls, like check our early back catalog for an episode where we went to Fan Expo here in Toronto and just like seeing the cool costumes that people have put together and the cool merch that they have to sell and like just like, like all, seeing all the cool ways to celebrate this thing that everybody loves. Yeah. Like and,
1: and you go through Artist Alley and you find people that you would never have encountered before. Like you, you get to try new stuff. And with a virtual convention, that's not going to happen, you know? You're going to say, I want to see the Wonder Woman panel, and then you watch that, and then you turn it off and go make a sandwich. You can't do that at a real convention, you know? You go to the panel, and then you go to the dealer's room, and you have to kill time, so you go walk around, you get commissions from artists, you get to interact one-on-one with people who you admire. Like, we we got that interview with Robert Picardo uh, there, just because, no, he, he happened to have a lull in his usually immense line and he chatted with us and and he was a sweetheart he was he was fantastic listen to that episode too but we should but we can't that's not gonna happen with a virtual convention yeah and i don't want this to all be a huge knock against virtual conventions i'm sure
0: they'll do cool stuff but i agree with you yeah i i'm gonna miss the convention circuit like that's that's such a cool thing even when it's done like when it's overdone it's become too corporatized like but the idea of it and having those people together, and that's exactly the worst thing you could possibly do in the middle of a pandemic. So we're not, you know, against it being <laughs> postponed, but just damn, does that blow? Mm-hmm. All right, what's your number three? My number three. Um, this, I, I think I've touched on this before, but I might have to go into the background again. Um, I'm really upset that we missed the the 2020 for Evo, the Evolution Championship Series. Um, uh, We've we've talked about on the show before, Graham and I aren't big esports people, Uh, especially the way that it's been sort of, like, I don't want to use the word stolen, but adopted by folks trying to make gamers out to be jocks and trying to make money off of it, but... I've always made an exception for Evo, which is the like the original and the top like fighting video game tournament. The fighting video game, like the kind of video game that they showed your mom when you were a kid to show why kids shouldn't be playing video games. <laughs> now, now there's player huge... versus player, one guy on the left, one guy on the right, buttons do different attacks with other punches or kicks or swords or whatever they are, and you try to
1: outwit and uh, defeat the other opponent. Yeah, we were warned against them as kids. Now they're million dollar tournaments. Yeah, right. See, mom, if you would let me play Mortal <laughs> Kombat when I was a kid, like I could
0: buy you a house in the Hamptons. <laughs> Ugh, instead, I had to go sneak into Jonah Flynn's house and play it there. <laughs> Jonah! <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, Evo, uh, the Evolution Championship series, uh, it's God, it became Evo in 2002, but it started even earlier than that, and it's always been the place where, like, these great players go. Like, back in the day when it was weird that there were people who are professional video game players, they were always offering prizes and international competition for Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and Tekken and Soul Calibur and all that jazz. Um, Very often it usually comes down to the United States champion versus like the Japanese champion But there are also some notable players who have shown up I'm from France, from from South Korea, shows up occasionally You'd think Korea would be
1: even bigger on there Like they seem like one of the gaming capitals of the world
0: you know what? They're really big in like real-time strategy games. Oh, okay. It's um, all these multiplayer battle arenas and like old RTS games, StarCraft, that kind of thing. Not as much representation on the fighting scene. Not to say that there aren't any. There, there are there, but a lot of times Japan and U.S. are the big ones. Um, but it's uh, how to explain? How do you explain it quickly? It's like a fighting game. Basically, every attack that you can perform, the opponent has a counter to. So it becomes kind of chess like in that to be really good at this, half of it is anticipating what your opponent is going to do and know to counter it. And it's gameplay on an entirely different level than, you know, like, I, I play fighting games. I'm like, in our group of friends, like I'm probably the one who's the best at them. Uh, my wife isn't half bad at Mortal Kombat, but on the whole, between like, everyone we know, like if we like, we don't
1: get a lot of play out of fighting games because I I I win a lot. I mean, I have I, I play fighting games like I play the DC Injustice fighting game for the costumes, like I, for the costumes. I I yeah, not, you don't know what you're doing. No, not at all. I mean, I'm here tooting my own
0: horn. Let me tell you, I have nothing on these guys. These guys have it down. Like there are long discussions at this level at like. If a punch takes, what is it, like 17 frames of animation to get from when you press the button to where it's viable to hit the opponent, is that better than this other move, which takes 16 frames of animation to get there, but does a significantly less damage? Like, it's that kind of level of precision. And when you watch these guys play, it's just, it's astounding. It's like, I didn't know the game could do that. So I have always always tried to catch it live if I don't catch it live, I catch like the championships on the replay. J- just for the experience of seeing like this thing that I think I'm good at that I like, how does it look when it's done professionally? Like, it must be what car people feel like when they watch Formula One.
1: So, so I have a question for you. In in you know when you watch the Olympics, it's like hundred meter dash is something everyone's got to tune in for. There there are certain events that things are that people want to see. When like Michael Phelps was swimming, it was like we got to watch the swimming stuff. What are the big draws at at this event? Like what are the games that people tune in for? Um, I'll, it's I mean it's
0: always Street Fighter. Um, like this thi- this this thing was basically invented by people from Capcom, the Japanese company that makes Street Fighter, the video game. Um, but Street Fighter is a big one. Mortal Kombat is almost always there. Um, Tekken is usually there. Um, Smash Brothers has been bigger lately, but it hasn't quite, like, it's still sort of a niche community compared to those other things. Um, so, you, so yeah, I will answer your question. I will settle on saying the Street Fighter 1. Street Fighter 2 was, like, the fighting video game, right. right? That's the one that sort of broke it into mainstream, and every fighting game that has come out since has basically been derivatives on that formula, right? How does it compare to... It's like Street Fighter, but this. So the Street Fighter... Like, now they're at Street Fighter 5 Champion Edition is the newest one. Like, that one is always worth watching, like, that's sort of, like, the purest example of the thing. Hmm. Interesting. Which is great, and I miss it. Um, it's important to note, before we move on, I just want to point out, like, everyone sort of assumed that video games wouldn't be hit as hard by the pandemic. Like, it's the kind of thing you could do entirely online. Right. right? It's not the same. You'd think it would work out that way, but no. It's People are having trouble doing it. Uh, what I'm getting at is I want to point out that initially Evo canceled the tournament and they said they were going to find an online substitute. Like they were going to run it all digitally. Like the way they ran the Democratic National Convention. Um, they had that all set up, but then a bunch of sexual assault allegations came out against the Evo's organizer, mm. Joey Queller. So I don't want to gloss over that because... You know, I don't, it wasn't just the pandemic in this case. There's also some bad news in there. Right. And a lot of the big video game companies pulled out. Um, it's worth noting. Like, there's, there's definitely more stuff to clean up in there. And that's just... Ugh, I, I hate that so much. Absolutely, again, the right call. Um, but I, just, I didn't want to sort of whitewash it, whatever right. you'd call it. There, there are other problems there besides the pandemic as well. Um, but on the whole, I just, you know, in the prime universe, in the good timeline, you know, with all the people like us without goatees are, <laughs> Evo would have ran
1: um, at the end of July and into August, and it would have been amazing. Do you think with people with the big corporations pulling out of it, do you think Evo can recover? Oh, yeah. They they, they ended up like the guy's gone now. Right. Um, he, he's out. They'll bring it. It'll, it'll
0: come back next year. Okay. There'll be new staff and probably some new controls on it.
1: Um, so it's a too so big it, to it, fail thing.
0: Well, not even too big to fail, but it's like this is a situation that was addressable. Right. Okay. You know, like the, the guy has been terminated and I'm, I, I'm not up to date on the case, but I'm under the impression like, you know, law enforcement is involved and that will take place and the tournament will move on without him. And it doesn't, it doesn't need him to run. It'll be fine. Okay. So
1: what's your number two? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Let's let's get okay. Into it. We can talk about this. You hate Ghostbusters. I never said I hate Ghostbusters. If you go back, rewind the tape. I say yeah, okay. I just don't get it as far as like why it's such a big deal. <laughs> but so why are you excited for the new one? I know I am excited for the new one. <laughs> uh, my main excitement is is that the writer and director is Jason Reitman, who's the the son of um, Ivan Reitman, who directed the original. And he, Jason Reitman, has this amazing track record of films. He did Juno and Up in the Air. He, I think he's sort of arguably faltered on his last couple of releases. But I'm excited to see what a more, slightly more dramatic take on the premise is. And and the cast they have is really interesting. They got all the, the old guys back, but they've also got Paul Rudd in there. And uh, the kid from Stranger Things. And Carrie Coon. And it's, it's a, uh, I'm curious for that reason. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad this is, because I thought for sure this was going to be a quick
0: one-off where you rolled your eyes and it move on. How I'm glad is this is something we can share together.
1: <laughs> as am I, as am I. I don't think I would want to see it with, like, you and Jeff and Dan's aeons, because I don't know. I, I feel like I, I would need earplugs for the post-movie discussion, but, uh... All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, no, I'm very excited. Like, like, the the trailer was very intriguing when it came out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was the. I kind of wish it hadn't. Like, I kind of wish it hadn't been like, "Click here for the new Ghostbusters trailer" because it starts off kind of ambiguous about what it
1: is. Yeah, yeah, that's right? true. Like
0: it, it, it starts off with the story like, "Oh, you know, it's these kids and the family's down on their luck, and they move out to this old farm, and weird things start to happen, and then they stumble across the old ghost trap." And Paul Rudd has the line in the trailer. He's like, "Oh, wow, cool replica." And they're like, "Replica like of what?" And then, and then everything starts coming off. He starts asking, like, "Wait, who are you, kids?" And they're, it's, it cuts to them inspecting the old house. And he finds the Spangler uniform. Oh, it's,
1: <laughs> it's so tantalizing. It's so, t- it's I mean, just, just for our, our non Ghostbusters fans, or yes, Egon Spangler, right? right. Is, is Harold Ray original Ghostbusters.
0: Character. Yeah, rest in peace, Oliver show them. Yes, Good Evans. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife was originally going to be released on July tenth. Um, and now it's been delayed until next March, March twenty twenty one. Crazy, so
1: far away. We we would have already seen it and been bored of it by now in in the prime timeline. Yeah, God, can you imagine? They wrapped filming in October of twenty nineteen. It's oh, they've had it all like ready to go. Ugh, crazy. Yeah, some of those some of the kids in this movie are going to be adults by the time it comes out. Yeah, they won't have remembered filming it because they were so young when it happened. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's so. It, I, yeah, so yeah, we're not, we're not going to get back into to Ghostbusters. We've talked about Ghostbusters a lot. If you don't know Ghostbusters at this point, we can't help you. Um, the thing about this is so, one, the fact, like, the way they're doing Ghostbusters The Next Generation, I think that's exactly what they should be doing. I think there's great opportunity here to have a cool new movie and maybe build up into a whole new cool thing. Like, there's, there's lots to
1: like about the idea of this movie and and it's a concept that doesn't need to live and die with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and and uh, that whole original squad it couldn't can be like star trek where you just you can keep reviving it with different people i don't know yeah, if that's a the, great on idea on the ecto 1d right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah this one the front
0: comes off for no reason <laughs> no a um, great reason <laughs> <laughs> right Um, But the thing is, when you're talking about Ghostbusters that way, it's, you know, you you can't talk about that without also mentioning the 2016 Ghostbusters, um, which is a fraught subject to discuss. Um, The Ghostbusters that was rebooted and touted early on as basically ladies' Ghostbusters, which got a very divisive response uh, a lot of people reacted to the announcement incredibly negatively for let's face it purely sexist reasons and as a result of that like i think folks like you and me were really looking forward to it being a really good movie to put those folks
1: yeah. like, t- to bed and uh and it, and it wasn't I, and we there are plenty of completely valid opinions that and people who who really liked that movie and that's fair and that always happens. Yeah. But
0: we're talking, like, critical and, you know, uh, I don't know how else to put it. Like, a, you know,
1: bank account speaking. The movie didn't do well. Yeah. Um, I think, so here's here's my take on it, maybe. And and, and let's see how it plays out. But the, the original Ghostbusters movies are comedies, but they don't stray too far from a sort of dramatic reality. Like, they're, especially that first one. It's, there's some intense stuff. There's dramatic stuff. Like, the world is in peril, and it's not done for laughs. Like, they, there are some good jokes in there, but there's, like, Sigourney Weaver is, is pretty creepy when she's, what is it called? Uh, Zool? Zool. Yeah. There is no Dana, only Zool. Yeah. And then the new Ghostbusters with the, the with Kristen Wig and Melissa McCarthy, the, it went maybe too far into the zany improv comedy land and too far that's all it was (laughs) the entire movie was a bunch of poorly
0: stitched together i'm trying to
1: be diplomatic
0: (laughs) oh i'm not that's that's where we disagree on this no the entire movie was they got these snl actresses and just had them improv and let the camera run and then when they were done they took like you know what parts had good jokes and sort of filled in the gaps to try and make it a story but you end up with these long rambling scenes about nothing um, which they're not necessarily like some of it's pretty funny. I yeah, laugh at it, but you're like, why am I like, what's going on? Why am I watching this? Am I supposed to be connecting to these characters? What's happening? Um, and and what's his name? Uh, Paul Fagg has like, he says proudly that yeah, I just let the camera run and let them do their thing. And it's like, well, okay, but like movies have scripts for a reason. And, <laughs> and
1: that's what I was getting at. This. Is sorry. <laughs> Maybe this one. And I I just want to say, I am still excited about it, but I'm wondering if this one may be skewed too far the other way. Because that first trailer, it definitely stays in a sort of dramatic horror vibe, I I find. With a few exceptions, but generally it looks darker than that first, well, way darker than the, the... 2016 Ghostbusters. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm not calling it Ladies Ghostbusters because that's a a, a terrible thing. Shouldn't be doing that. It's the 2016 Ghostbusters. The 2016 Ghostbusters. You're right. And the... Uh, Yeah,
0: that that one was very silly, and this trailer seems very dark. But it's also the reveal
1: trailer, uh, so it's hard to say. I don't want to say very dark. Like, it doesn't look like, I, I don't know, the Antichrist, but it does look... Uh, darker than you would normally expect from a Ghostbusters movie, but like if they I'm didn't willing to put see the
0: Ghostbusters logo on it, you could convincingly sell most of that trailer as a setup for a horror movie.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. So, but I'm I'm really curious to see how it plays out and what future trailers show us from it. So, shall we move on? Yeah, I've got
0: more to say about 2016 yeah, yeah, Ghostbusters, let's... but it's just beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> What's your number two? My number two. Uh, is Kerbal Space Program 2 was supposed to be released in March of 2020.
1: Wow, deep cut.
0: Oh god, and it was I love Kerbal Space Program. Kerbal Space Program is a PC video game that is it's considered a flight program simulator, uh, space simulator really. So like this is like this isn't Star Wars. Like this is for the crowd the flight simulator crowd or the I know this is a thing. I don't get it. But the truck simulator crowd, (laughs) but like this Kerbal space program is a simulation where you're in charge of basically this cartoony NASA and the, the, like the, like, the fundamental part of it, the part that's most interesting is it's essentially, here's a bunch of like recreations of all the, like the space technology that was available in the late 20th century, build a spaceship and try to launch it and do things in space in a realistic physics engine in a realistic like scientific environment and so for instance like if you want to launch and go into orbit you, you don't just go up like you launch and then you sort of have to like it like in the real world where you this is how it really works you tilt to the side and burn your engines and start to fall around the Earth. Until you, like, you're at the point where gravity is slingshotting you around it, like in a circle. Like, it is rocket science. Man. and it's fascinating. I love this game. I love it for the sandbox part of it where it's just let me try to build the craziest like space shuttle I possibly can. I love it for like the educational aspect of it. I've learned what words like like apoapsis and periapsis mean because I've had to like to win at this game, I've had to learn how orbits actually work. It's It's, and honestly, and I really like the the cartoony environment of it. Like, the the Kerbals, the eponymous Kerbals in this game are basically this cartoony world's version of the Minions. Like, they're adorable little creatures who sub in for your scientists and astronauts, and it's just, it's a delight to watch them and, you know, usually blow them up if you screw up your spaceship. Okay, so, Uh,
1: so what can they do in a sequel?
0: The sequel is... They've announced all this stuff. I mean, for starters, one thing they've announced for the sequel is a much more thorough tutorial. Because in the first game, they give you the basics. Here's how you select your parts. Here's how you put you on a ship, but they don't actually teach you anything about physics. Mm. (laughs) You just... You put your first ship together on the launch pad. You press launch, and then it goes up, and then it falls back down and crashes and explodes. And you go, huh? And you have to figure out the rest for yourself. So they're making it a lot
1: more user friendly. look, I let me just rewind for one second. I, I just want to get a sense of like, how long does it take to build a ship? Oh, you just click and drag the parts.
0: But like, it's so it it it's like selecting the different like mixing and matching outfits on your injustice DC <laughs> character. So, but how, you like, have to take. It's not just aesthetic. You have to take like what what is the part made of? How much stress can it take? Right? How much? How much does it weigh? And so, how much fuel am I going to have to add to load it? How many different parts are there? Uh, whew, a little over a hundred at default, and more have been added in DLC and mods. Wow. And
1: okay, go on with uh, with part two.
0: Yeah. So part two, they've announced so much more user friendly, which I get. There are some people. You know, smart people, smarter people than me who don't need this, but I love to see that. But they're also building it out. Like, now you're going to be able to build, like, entire colonies and bases on other planets. And they're talking about, like, interstellar travel. And, like, like they're adding more to do. The first Kerbal game had a mode where you sort of had, like, basically missions. They're called contracts. And it was like, you know, launch a satellite with this much equipment to orbit around this place. Or go to the moon and perform some scientific surveys and bring it back. And to beat the mission, you would, like, design a ship that also had, like, electronics on it, and you would fly to the moon. Well, you would. I wouldn't, because I have very rarely been able to pull that off, because it's hard. (laughs) Rocket science is hard. And do that. But the most fun was just the sandbox. Now they've added all these things that you're going to be able to do, right? Like, in theory, you could be in charge of this, like, empire of cities built across all these different planets, but you're directly involved in all the
1: technology. And that sounds so cool to me now to to me it sounds like such a departure from what you enjoyed in the first one that it might be off putting like like i don't want to do all this other stuff i just want to build spaceships that's not me speaking that's a hypothetical me
0: right but i'm sure i'm sure like that mode is still going to be in there like sandbox mode is still oh. key and honestly like i mean the modding community too the fan made additions to the game I mean, I, I definitely got a, a series of sort of steel telescoping arms um, specifically so that I could build space shuttles with nacelles. <laughs> it's, like that, like, like that's like you don't always have to go through those missions, and you won't have to do them here. It's just extra things that you can do. And then using the fan made stuff, using maybe a little bit of a cheat. By the way, There's a lot of really good reasons why our space shuttles right now don't have nacelles. (laughs) It adds a lot of complications.
1: What if you were building them in space, so you don't have to, like, break Atmo to to get out there?
0: Oh, yeah, dude, that's one of the first things I tried, right? Like, put together a space station and store a lot of fuel up there, and then in theory you could build, like, ships, like, half the size, right? Because they wouldn't need, like, the the, the fuel to break out of an atmosphere. But, God, just putting together... I don't know how to explain because I don't understand the science, but to launch two things into orbit and get them in the same place where they can connect. Like, you don't think about it on Star Trek because they just, like, cut the impulse engines. Now they're in orbit. No, these things are traveling at hundreds of thousands of kilometers per hour. Right, because like I, they're it's orbiting the planet, which is orbiting the sun, which is like going through the galaxy. So you have to get them moving at ludicrously high speeds, at the exact same speed down to the decimal point, at the exact same
1: point in three dimensional space. It's like, listen, those NASA guys—they're real smart. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I am still trying to wrap my head around the fact that that's even a, something that you can do in the game. I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that it's something you
0: can do in real life. <laughs> you know what? Very good point. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I am not a dumb person, all right? Like, I, I'm pretty into this stuff, both as an enthusiast and with an education. That's about my ceiling. I, I, I cannot do the math. Like, like Tsiolkovsky, Rocket Formula? Like, the, the idea that, like, so you have this ship and you want to, like, burn fuel to launch it into the atmosphere... So you need this much fuel because the ship weighs this much. But now you've added the fuel, so now it weighs more. So now you have to add more fuel, but now it adds... Right? Like, so if you follow that math, it would technically be impossible. But the trick to it is that the weight of the fuel decreases as the fuel burns. So there's a mathematical formula to find the delta V of the change in the... And that's it. And that's, that's where I hit the wall. Wow. That's that's as smart as I get. But goddamn, does this game make me want to learn more? And I wanted the second one because it's going to help me learn more, and because it's such a delightful, fun world to play with this stuff in. And I can't because of
1: COVID. Damn it! So what? I, why has that delayed it? Like, what what do they need to do where people need to be together in order to finish this it, game? It was
0: just still very like it was still very undone. It's not like Wonder Woman where they had it in the can and they're just waiting for an audience. There's still a lot to do, and doing tech stuff but remote is is hard. It's unless like, I do some. I mean, pretty light compared to these guys, but I do some programming work in my professional life, and, like, the having it all done by remote is incredibly frustrating. You can't do it all on your own. You gotta pass some to somebody else, but maybe that person isn't in the time, same time zone you're in, so you're waiting for them to, to wake up and get to work, and then you have to, like, how do you transfer large amounts of code from your computer to theirs? You just drop it into an email, and, like, well, you can't do that. It's a million rows. It's like It's just the data okay, so we'll put it onto a shared drive. And it's like, okay, well, the shared drive, you're in Toronto, and he's in the Philippines, and the shared drive, server for the shared drive is in Boston, so you're going to copy-paste and then sit and watch a progress bar move for three days. Like, we live in a very connected world globally, but the technology isn't quite Star Trek yet. We don't have subspace radio. <laughs> this, moving large amounts of information takes time, and the more hands you need to have on it the more complicated it gets to make sure you're doing it right. And that's what's holding up a lot of these digital products.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Long story short, though, if you haven't seen it yet, check out uh, check out Kerbal Space Program. Um, even if you're not going to play it, it's fun to YouTube. Um, there's this YouTube personality, Scott Manley, who's a Scottish astrophysicist who started like an educational YouTube channel that for like the last five years has been almost exclusively Kerbal Space Program. Wow. And he explains how it works while he's going through it, and it's a delight. I also kind of resent him because he's so much better at
1: it than <laughs> I am, but it's fun to watch. You should check it out. Okay. What's your number one, sir? Uh I really was tempted to go into the Bond theme there, but I won't uh, make all of us mm-hmm. suffer through that. Uh James Bond's No Time to Die, which was pushed from April 2020 to November 2020 so far. So, I, I Right, we're not optimistic about that November date, are we? Well, yeah, as we said at the top, Tenet is coming out, so it uh, I guess depends how that goes. Let's see, because yeah. we'll, that's the biggest movie of the summer so far, and, and we'll we'll see how that rollout works before we start, you know, putting money down on on if these other movies will hit their release date. But anyway, it was it's I'm excited. It's it's Daniel Craig's last go as James Bond. He's the the longest serving James Bond, a number of years, if not number of movies, and uh, he's been great. I've really loved his his tenure, and over the course of it, I've become a bigger and bigger Bond fan, like here in Canada we have this this streaming service called Crave, and uh, up until the last year or two they had mostly TV shows and like the only movies they had real movies were the Bond collection, and so I could just put them on, like when, when I was napping my kid I would I would get him to sleep and then I'd put on a bond movie for the hour length of his nap and then I'd finish it the next day. It was great. It was a great way to just kill time and enjoy these classic movies. And I got like real into the behind the scenes stuff, like who played who and for how long and why this happened, why that happened. So, I'm I'm always excited when a new ones coming out.
0: So, how do you feel like of the new ones compared to those classic ones? Like I'm trying to get a handle on what you're looking
1: forward to in the next new one. Well, the I think other than maybe Dr. No and From Russia With Love, the, the movies have generally gotten sillier and sillier over time until the Daniel Craig ones. So if I'm watching a pre-Daniel Craig movie, I tend to watch it with a, a more you know comical eye just to to see the the difference in time different in era like his bond's attitudes and the jokes and what he could get away with and then you know the action set pieces and how the different bonds handle different situations so that's that's what i enjoy in those ones with the daniel craig ones i enjoy the modern spy thriller of it all and how intense he is and the cool set pieces that he has
0: Okay, that makes sense. And that's pretty much exactly what they're promising for the new one, right? They've sort of been ramping that up since, especially since Skyfall. Like, it's getting more and more Tom Cruise in a way, where it's like, what
1: crazier stuff can he be doing? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but he's always so much so calm and cool and collected and and I like that the the separation between the two. I really like the Mission Impossible movies too, but they are always a mad scramble, whereas the Bond movies, the set pieces feel more uh Deliberate? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the word I was thinking of. They're more deliberate and his his the way he handles them is more deliberate. And I really like that that distinction. And and I think they're both great in their own way. Oh, no, that's fair.
0: Um, it's it probably not a surprise, and that one, uh, no time to die isn't on my list. Um, to be fair, Daniel Craig isn't my favorite bond, but I did I, I did really like casino. I did really like Skyfall. It isn't making or breaking my day not to have another movie, but like if there's a movie I'm gonna go see in theaters, I mean, if it, it, it's either gonna start with that Marvel logo or it's gonna start with Star Wars. but I tend to make exceptions for for James Bond because, like you can always. Well, no, then again, now I'm thinking of the James Bond movies I was disappointed in. But most of the time, you're getting bang for your buck? Yeah. Uh,
1: but but that's not on the same level as
0: enthusiasm <laughs> that
1: you have for it, I think. Yeah, and uh, even... I mean, up to a point, even the ones that aren't considered good ones, I, I can find something to enjoy about them. And, and when we were talking about this list, we sort of got into a texting argument about Spectre. And uh, Yeah, that's... That that we're gonna have to save for our top five Daniel
0: Craig Bond movies podcast. <laughs> well, which there's only five hopefully, of them. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like we're gonna have, we're gonna rank them, um, and hopefully that'll be coming to you this winter if it hits that November release date. But yeah, Man, it turns I'm out really
1: excited now. I didn't even think this was <laughs> a possibility. Amazing! How could it not be? <laughs> <laughs> he
0: did five movies. It's like it was done <sighs> especially for us. That's perfect. We right. should invite him onto the show
1: to do it. What's the harm? Let's try it.
0: Yeah, hey, if anybody out there knows Daniel Craig, tell them we'd love to have him on the show. (laughs) Uh, In any case, yeah, no, it turns out Graham's a big Spectre fan, and I am not. At all. Uh, Um, Maybe I'm more of a Spectre apologist. Well, I mean, that's how I would phrase it, but I was trying to be generous. (laughs) But yeah, it's a shame that we didn't get to see it, but November doesn't sound so bad. I mean, I wonder if they're going to bother with the theatrical release or just do it with the streaming. Oh, no, I they have to do
1: a theatrical release.
0: So are, it depends. Are people going to be back in... Like, maybe in places like Canada and New Zealand, people will be back in theaters. But I don't know about the States. I Look, but how political do we want to get? Uh, let's, uh, listen, there's no politics involved. Like, the, the virus is a lot more under control in some places
1: than it is in others. Okay. And that's That is cold, hard medical fact. But part of the reason, it's... Not under control. There is because they haven't put all, as many restrictions in. So I don't know that that the states are going to have any trouble seeing it. They there may be <laughs> dire consequences <laughs> seeing it, but okay,
0: yeah. Now it's yeah. Let's like I want to make a pun about time to die. We, no, <laughs> no, no, this isn't. no, no, no.
1: <laughs> so uh, it's just. It also I think for me the reason it's it, it's one of the pandemic casualties. And in a deeper cut, I find than some of the others is because of how close we were to its original release date. It was literally weeks away when when this all hit, and then it got pushed back and pushed back again. And it's just like it was so tantalizingly close. Like I was amped up for it. I listened to the the Billie Eilish theme song for it a bunch. I, I listened to it while I was putting this list together because I Dude, I'm, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the. The director, he it's, his name is Cary Fukunaga, and he did um, the first season, I think, of True Detective, which was really good and everyone was talking about. Um, he's one of the writers on it too, as well as uh, Purvis and Wade, who are guys who have been writing the Bond movies going back to uh, Pierce Brosnan days. So it's and and then on top of that, they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge to do a. Uh, polish on it at the end, and she did enough of a polish, and uh, there were enough changes that she's a credited screenwriter, like like Carrie Fisher did polishes on scripts, but it was just like sort of dialogue tweaks, and she rarely got credited. To have Bieber Waller-Bridge be credited on it means she did significant work, and she's great. Like, everything I've seen by her has been excellent, and she's never done a huge spy thriller like this, so I'm excited to see what what she brought to the table. Well, I can't speak to any of that, but, yeah, it's good pedigree. And it also seems like it's, it's one of the rare direct sequels in the Bond franchise. It's going to follow up on a lot of plot threads left dangling from Spectre, and I guess your feelings about Spectre will determine how excited you are about that. The only Yeah, about Spectre manufacturing plot
0: threads. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we should probably move on. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah true true we'll true. talk about Spectre later on.
1: Definitely. What's your number one?
0: All right, my number one, my uh, pa- number one pandemic casualty is a fairly recent one. So sort of the opposite with you with no time to die, where we were so close. Um, just found out recently that the latest pandemic casualty is Halo Infinite, uh, also known as Halo Six, the conclusion to the second Halo trilogy of video games. This was supposed to come out uh, at the end of the year as part of the like the launch deal to sell Microsoft's new Xbox, the Xbox Series X. Uh but no, it has been delayed until uncertain twenty twenty one. So Halo is a Halo is a like a watershed moment in video game franchises. It's fairly recent compared to a lot of the older ones. Um but the original Halo coming out in Ah oh, Jesus this was two thousand and geez, you think I had here we go, two thousand and one. original Halo was 2001 on the Microsoft Xbox, and it made first-person shooters on the console, like, it made them incredibly accessible and easy for a lot of people to pick up and play and had a level of quality that wasn't really seen in console gaming at that time. And because of that, our generation played a ton of Halo. It had both, in terms of, like, split-screen multiplayer that was... Like besides just being a really solid game, I'm not going to go into the details of what a good first-person shooter feels like, because if you don't play them, you won't get it, but it was one of the best. Um, and we all played a lot of that, like to the point where like we were getting together at people's houses and bringing entire Xboxes so we could link them all up together, so like 16 people could play in the same map. But they also had a really cool single-player story. They had created this really compelling sci-fi world and you know in terms of sci-fi like it's closer to Star Wars than Star Trek in terms of science fiction. Like it's it's you know it's it's army porn but with aliens. Um, but they still made a lot of really cool discovery stuff and there were a lot of moments where you're looking at it and like whoa this is a really cool like alien idea. I like this. I like where it's going. So Halo's been a big thing. Um, Halo 5 Guardians was the most recent one that came out sort of mixed reviews. Perfected that multiplayer thing but really sort of fell on the story side. I mean, like, if you you wanted to buy it to play against other people online, you were in great shape. But those of us who liked that world and those characters were, were left out. All that was going to be corrected for this one. Like, they're not even calling it Halo 6. They're calling it Halo Infinite because it's kind of a soft reboot. They're bringing this franchise, they're correcting a bunch of stuff, and bringing it into the new world of these these new consoles and trying to make it king of the hill again, so
1: to speak. Can I ask There's a little vi- what, video game pun for you there? What led you to to think that they were going to correct the story mode stuff? Like, what, what had you seen that made you think that that was finally going to well, be like addressed? Well,
0: let's put it this way. Halo 5, they made the questionable decision of not making the master chief, not making the character the protagonist anymore. Oh. You played you play as other guys. You basically played as, like, the lower decks of Halo. <laughs> Nice and like Halo is a franchise where you play a, like the legendary hero. What well, you know? The, like, there was ODST right where you got to play as Nathan Fillion. Yeah, it's a little like forty dollars side game. Yeah, right, which used an engine that was already developed for Halo Three. Like it, like that was a side project, and that was fun for a side project. I mean, a better counter argument to that might be Halo Reach. Uh, Which is sort of the... Not Halo 4, like Halo 3.5, which took other characters, and that was a fully-fledged thing on its own. But Master Chief is still the star of that franchise. I can't even... I I can't even think of what the appropriate analogy would be. Like, if you made a Legend of Zelda game where you didn't play as Link, but you played as, like, a knight with, like, (laughs) not the Master Sword, but, like, a Masterful Sword? (laughs) A Servant Sword. nobody wanted... No, yeah, Servant Sword. Yeah, like nobody wanted to do that. Um, so that was lousy. And they cut the split-screen co-op from it. Mm. Like, all our memories of Halo are playing it together on the same TV. And, like, even once we grew up and got a little bit older, like, my wife and I, for a long time, Halo 4 was part of our daily routine. Like, go to work, come home, like make dinner, eat, clean up a little, get everything ready for tomorrow, and spend like an hour and a half in Halo 4's Spartan Ops fighting back-to-back. They took that out of the game, because they figured it was unnecessary, because most people were playing online. Hmm. That's all supposed to come back in Halo Infinite. So they released that gameplay trailer, like you were describing. That was on July 23rd, and it got pretty mixed reviews. Uh, a lot of folks didn't like the way it looked. It's it's more of a stylistic thing than it is an actual technology thing. It looks kind of cartoony, in a sense. It's it's trying to harken back to what Halo looked like. like I think people were looking for a more realistic approach to this, but there's a lot of flat textures. A lot of, like, you know, plain green grass rather than individual blades of grass. So people were already sort of chattering about it a bit. But even then, like, this was the end of July. They said, yeah, it's coming out. End of the year, for sure. Nope. August 11th, they announced. It's been delayed. Due to, delayed. It's still uncertain. 2021, just due to the pandemic just affecting development and slowing everything down. Do you buy that? I do, because that's happening to a lot of these big games. Okay. Okay like triple a games take like 500 million dollars to produce right like people forget like it's that it's because something about this industry has somehow it's still sort of like stigmatized a little but it employs more people and costs more money and takes up way more risk for these companies than a blockbuster motion picture now, to be fair, they also cost a lot more than <laughs> movies most of the time. And I guess you get a lot more out of them. Like, people have played these games for hundreds of hours, whereas a movie is pretty much just, you know, like the runtime in the theater and you're done. But it's a huge investment and a huge risk. And really, I mean, the only thing that it comes up to is just... It's uh, you. If you're the executive in charge of that company, you have to say what's going to be worse: if I hit my release window and release a bad game and then nobody buys it and I'm out hundreds of millions of dollars, or if I miss my release window and I release a good game later, but what's the fallout going to be because our company was expecting to rake in those hundreds of millions of dollars this year?
1: Right. Tough call. Yeah, yeah. It's that's uh, why they don't pay us to make those decisions.
0: And we pay them almost a 100 bucks for these AAA games these days. And I gotta tell you, I mean, in terms of selling these new consoles, I mean, we were sort of thinking about picking up a new Xbox for Halo. I mean, and that's doubly surprising because this is the first Halo game that's also going to be simultaneously released on PC. Oh. but 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 Sanal and I were both th- like, we have really great memories of sitting shoulder-to-shoulder on the couch and playing Halo. Like We'd love to do that again. That might be worth the price of admission. But now, I'm not going to buy the Xbox if it doesn't have a new Halo game on it. What's going to be on it? What's going to be, like, another rehash of NBA 2 whatever? (laughs) Not into that. So this one... So it's the opposite of No Time to Die in that it's very recent, but I feel like it's number one on my list because of, like, how shocking a decision that is. Like, this company has a lot of plans that revolve around everyone buying their new Xbox for Christmas. And their biggest, best reason to buy it, just said, sorry, not gonna make it. Right. Yeah, like that's that huge. has
1: gotta sting. Yeah, and and Master Chief and Halo became the the flagship title for Xbox over the years. It would be like them not releasing a Mario title at the launch of a Nintendo thing, or or having it get delayed. Mario is Nintendo in a way that it, not quite to the same level, but Master Chief is Xbox. Oh, for sure. Yeah, any any other game
0: on Xbox, either isn't half as big or also is like is uh, isn't exclusive. Is also on PlayStation and Nintendo and PC. Uh, Master Chief is their boy, and him not being there like is just I don't know if they're gonna sell those consoles. And you know what? And fine, they're Microsoft. They will be fine. Yeah. I'm not worried about them. They will find the money. But man, we, some of my best memories, and I know it sounds sad, but it's really not. Some of my best memories are all of our friends getting together for these huge Halo battles. And not even the battles, because there was also the Forge, like the custom level editor, and people would come up with crazy stuff. And we just, like, we had, we had a blast for uncounted hours playing this game. And as like, as much as I want to play Halo, what I really want to recapture is those moments. And I know they'll never come back. We're all too old. now. <laughs> We're all too spread out and too busy with real life. But, man, that nostalgia, that flavor. It's not even nostalgia. Just those memories, like, like those things I would love to relive. We're all in there, and it sucks, and I'm not going to get it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the the Halo... I fell off the Halo train uh, when the Xbox One stuff started, when I guess Halo 4 came out. Uh, by then, I... Well, that'd be 5. 4 okay. was 360. I don't know. Well, I don't... I'm pretty sure I didn't have 4. I just... it, it Maybe it was just too many in a row, or I, I was never as invested in the universe as you were, and, and by the time that happened, I, I, I just lost interest. But... Weirdly, the trailer for this game that everyone was disappointed in because of the the graphics or how little advancement there seemed to be, that really gave me a charge of nostalgia and made me want to dig out the old games or, or buy the uh, the anniversary collection on my computer. and uh, it made me, yeah, it gave me that, that surge of excitement for a halo game that I hadn't had in a long time. And it you know
0: and it lasted for about 15 days <laughs> <laughs> and it was and then it was delayed sucks huh, so yeah that, uh, those are, God. I don't want to end this on this dark note this is why I started things at the beginning there's a way to look at this and just saying here's a list of all the reasons to be depressed about the pandemic but what I want to take away is here's all the things that we can look forward to because once this all, once we deal with this once we get over this virus and life starts getting back to normal there is going to be a waterfall of awesome shit
1: oh yeah It's going to be, like, once it starts flowing in November or December or whenever, it's just going to be great thing after great thing after great thing.
0: I'm going to have to take time off work to enjoy all the things on this list. And uh, we hope the same for you. Uh, now, we hope that you will enjoy these ten things, but maybe there are other things you're enjoying or want to enjoy that we missed. Uh, not everyone's as lucky as Lucifer to get their show finally out there. Maybe there's some stuff we missed. Maybe there's other games or other events or other things we hadn't even thought of. Doctor
1: Strange, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, Venom 2, so many cool movies. Wonder- or, uh, Black Widow? We didn't even touch on Black Widow.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's probably going to be good, I guess. Black Widow prequel hmm. <laughs> but in any case there might be things that you're into that we didn't mention and uh, we'd be happy to do catch up if you want to let us know I uh, would be happy to hear what's on your list what are you looking forward to or what are you sorry that we, you missed um, all kinds of ways that you can get a hold of us
1: you can email us at uh, geektop5 at gmail.com we're on facebook at facebook.com slash geektop5 and we're on twitter at geektop5
0: looking forward to hearing from you and extra special thanks go out to you thank you for listening to the show it's, it's a great opportunity for us to get to be able to talk about this cool stuff and we love sharing it with you additional special thanks to Jamie Reum the guy behind our theme song check him out uh, Reum is spelled R E A U M E Jamie Reum official on YouTube Jamie underscore Reum at Instagram and check out his online pub nights at trivia shmivia.com plenty of stuff to keep you busy until we talk to you again uh till then i'm jesse i'm graham and this has been geek top five we'll talk to you again next week